Do you ever feel like you're working in spaces that don't support you or want you to be less than to succeed? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Embracing Your Voice podcast, a show for ambitious women of color who have created the impactful life and career they've always wanted while being unapologetically themselves. To live the life you want, sometimes you can't always follow their rules. You have to create your own. And on this show, you'll learn from the amazing women of color who've done just that, and how you can too. I'm your host, Atima Omara. Welcome to the show. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the first episode of the Embracing Your Voice podcast. On today's show, I wanted to tell you about what was the inspiration behind this podcast, a little bit more about me, and I'll also tell you about just some of the topics I'll be discussing over the course of this show. But first, embracing your voice to me means embracing your own authentic self without watering it down, minimizing it, or hiding who you are to make others comfortable. The title came to me partly as I tried to make sense of my own journey to embrace my own voice and the things that came up when talking specifically to other women of color about their journeys. Growing up, I was ambitious about finding a way to make impact in the world. But as the daughter of two African immigrants, I was definitely not expected to embrace my own voice. Instead, I was basically allowed to be one of three things, doctor, pharmacist, lawyer. Y'all with immigrant parents especially know how it is. This was pretty ironic, since my parents are literally in this country because of their tendency to want to carve out their own path, to live the life of their dreams. When I was a kid, my mom would regale me with stories of her youth in East Africa. She wanted more for herself than to just be a farmer's wife like all the other women in her village of her generation and all the women in her family prior in previous generations. So every time some man came to meet her dad about marrying her, she'd run away and hide in the bush, like just up and run out the back door. Or she'd take a detour on the way home if she glimpsed a suitor at her parents' house. She eventually found a way out of this predicament. It was the nuns who ran the local health clinic in her village. Now, here were some interesting women, my mom thought. They had advanced degrees, traveled the world, definitely weren't married, well, (laughs) at least to another human being. So she thought, why not? But she became a novice, got herself an education, and made her way across an ocean to America to build a life and career of her choosing. She embraced her own voice and defined for herself how she wanted to live and contribute to the world. It was the same with my dad. Growing up, he had zero interest in being a farmer. He would suddenly have a, quote, headache when it was time to help on the farm. His mama, my grandmother, got so frustrated with him that she told him he'd better find a way to make something happen with whatever he was learning in those school books because he would never be a good enough farmer to also make him a good husband. So he decided to embrace his own voice, telling him to take a different path than that of the men in his family before him and in his village of his generation and end up going the distance in school all the way to college. His disinterest in doing things the way they had always been done didn't stop at home either. The school he attended was run by British missionaries, and they had decided that the way to, quote, civilize the little African boys under their care and young men was to make them all wear kilts. Yeah, y'all, kilts. Kilts from Scotland, like the ones the Scottish wear. His headmaster was Scottish. This was probably why. My dad organized his classmates against the headmaster and the administration. 
It was so successful he almost got expelled. But guess what? They didn't wear kilts that year. When the government in his country collapsed and he was at risk of being rounded up and jailed or worse, he found a way to escape and came to America. Despite it not being what he initially would have wanted for himself, what he planned, he found a way to build a new life that he loved by, again, embracing his own voice. (laughs) But not me. As a good African eldest daughter, I was supposed to just buckle down and become a doctor, an engineer. They'd settle for lawyer if my math and science grades weren't good enough. Well, I never became any of those things, probably to their disappointment at the time. Their willingness to not follow the rules for rules' sake, be they written or unwritten, their determination to carve out a path for themselves was unquestionably in my blood. My guiding light was finding ways to make a difference, and in doing so, I found and embraced my voice first as a student leader. In college, I was elected to student government, involved in campus women's rights organizations, attended marches and rallies. I was fortunate in that my college environment had a policy of student self-governance, which meant using our voice as students, sharing opinions, taking charge. All of those things were actively encouraged. It had the effect of making you feel empowered to change things at a rather young age. Loving that experience, I decided I wanted to get into politics and public policy after college to be a part of making impact on a larger scale, the state level, even the national level. After college, I was sure that the workplace would be just as excited to hear my ideas and encourage me to embrace my own authentic voice, bring my lived experience and service to the cause. But for those of you listening, especially for those women of color, you see where this is going, right? Close to two decades, I've traveled around the U.S. working on political and issue campaigns for government, nonprofits, and I even ran for public office. Along the way, I realized my journey was just not like others. I discovered that not everyone was really interested in hearing my voice. I remember my first week at the job in state government, the elected official went introduced to me, asking what country I was visiting from before I even uttered a word. And my white colleague rushing to explain that I, like her, was here to work for the governor. I worked on political campaigns, the kind where I thought an idealistic black girl's voice should be welcomed. Instead, often my opinions were dismissed or challenged. And believe me, when I say that when even I prove my boss is wrong, they never got around to thanking me or apologizing for dismissing me. I was so new to the workforce that I didn't know if this stuff was happening because there was something wrong with me, or if it was just because I was the lone black person on the campaign, or one of the few women on the campaign, or both. I thought working in nonprofits, specifically women-led nonprofits, would be better. I mean, the selling point was there was none to few dudes around to say, well, actually, to everything I said. That sounded great. And these women seemed so sincere and enthusiastic to have me take a job at their organization. Each of them told me some version of what their organization needed. They needed me to bring my voice and perspective to the work. My mistake was taking them seriously, y'all. Believing that I, as a Black woman, could use my voice and experience 
with leading and managing organizations to make things better, especially if my suggestions actually conflicted with what the ladies in charge wanted to do or made them look like they weren't the brilliant queen bee. Hey, if you are enjoying the show, make sure you subscribe to our podcast and join our community at embracingyourvoicepod.com, where we will share resources, interesting news, and you can learn more from our guests. That's embracingyourvoicepod, all one word, dot com. All right, y'all, back to the show. One time, on behalf of all one of these organizations, I went to a coalition meeting and contributed to the discussion like everyone else. Afterwards, I was told I, quote, spoke too much at that coalition meeting. Okay, well, did anyone disagree with what I said, I asked? No, that wasn't the issue. It was (laughs) the fact that I spoke at all. Apparently, it wasn't my turn, and I hadn't paid my dues. I was reminded loudly, or with silence, or worse, that I was simply out of line for using my voice. Throughout every single one of my experiences, in nonprofits, campaigns, government, despite understanding how all the isms in this country work, I still kept thinking it was me. If I just stop so obviously using my expertise even if they asked if I was just a little quieter you know didn't use my voice as much I'd be fine I needed these jobs not only just to pay the bills but to make impact I thought but then Black Lives Matter happened Me Too happened and with both of these movements combined it gave more room for Black women like myself and other women of color to use their voice to talk about the absolute BS that is oftentimes navigating the workplace and life in spaces and places where we are very much in the minority. I mean, I was a professional feminist and I worked at nonprofits that worked on gender equity and justice. So I knew the stats. People talk about the gender wage gap, but not the fact that in that wage gap, white women are also paid more than women of color. We talk about the lack of women getting elevated to executive or C-suite roles in their respective industries, whether it's in business or media, music, getting elected to higher office. But if you look closely at those numbers, you realize white women are still outpacing women of color in opportunities for leadership roles. We celebrate women of color, especially black women, as the fastest growing segment of entrepreneurs. But we don't mention the big reason why. Because I saw and experienced how these growing numbers of women of color entrepreneurs were possible. I saw that when microaggressions became too much, how HR wasn't actually your friend. They exist to protect the people who are hurting you. I saw that, quote, being twice as good still doesn't even get you half as much pay or respect. I saw that when they say they want us to, quote, be authentic in the workplace, it didn't actually mean us, you. I saw that no matter how I tried to make everyone else comfortable, minimize my voice to follow the endlessly changing unwritten rules, 
it would never be enough. All it would ever accomplish is to kind of make me pretty miserable and maybe break my spirit. And so I made a choice. I didn't want to keep working in jobs where I did things to make others comfortable in hopes of a promotion to make a difference I wanted to make. So I made another pivot, embracing my own voice to finally start my own business and using that business to make the impact I've always wanted. Is it not what I plan? Yes. Am I happier though? Absolutely. I felt complete, I felt comforted, really, knowing I wasn't alone in this experience. Even the most successful women of color I know have been through it. I recently heard Tabitha Brown speak. You know her, she's that lovely black woman who became famous for her TikTok videos, narrating how to make tasty vegan vegan meals in a deep southern drawl. Now has her own cooking and media empire. Yeah, her. And in that talk, she said her agent wanted her to neutralize her southern accent. I think that makes her so distinct. They didn't want her to get typecast for roles while she was trying to get a job in Hollywood. And for a time, she did, opting for a neutral accent. Until she realized, quote, God won't bless who you aren't, is what she said. God won't bless who you aren't. And whether you have a faith tradition or not, I understood what that meant. What she showed is that in literally embracing her own voice, her own distinct Southern drawl, Tabitha met her purpose and became a star as a result. On this show, I'll be talking to women of color who have come to the same conclusion. Black and brown women across industries who have built a fulfilling life and career of their own choosing, even if it wasn't what they expected initially. They'll share how in embracing their own voice instead of following the expected path, they got closer to what they were meant to do and who they were meant to be. We'll discuss the highs and lows of navigating a career and life as a woman of color. Finally, getting that long dreamt of job or promotion, reaching a milestone in the business you founded, being the first or only in a major role. Like, is it worth it? We'll talk about the lows of rebounding from when a job or life isn't going or your life isn't going as planned, how to deal with bullying or trauma in the workplace, and imposter syndrome. We'll discuss how entrepreneurship is increasingly the answer for some, but how embracing your voice could also mean running for office, starting an organization, starting a whole different career from scratch, from scratch or finding a job in which you can thrive and bring all of who you are into the work, not just a piece of you. You're in the right place if you want to build community with other driven women of color who might be fine with where they are now, but no, it's not where they want to go long-term. Want some lessons and actionable strategies they can plug into their lives so that you can embrace your voice and how to do that while protecting your peace and also making some space for joy. That's what the Embracing Your Voice podcast is all about. I hope you'll join me and stay tuned on our journey. Talk soon, y'all. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Embracing Your Voice podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. You can also find us at embracingyourvoicepod, all one word, dot com. I'm your host, Atima Omar, 
See you soon.